0: everyone you're listening to the i go with ego podcast bringing you guests with first-hand experience in studying abroad and seasoned personalities excelling in the workforce we want you to own your journey and be the best you can be now presenting your host ego hi everybody welcome to another episode of the go to go podcast it's so good to have you here it is still black history month i tell everybody every month is black history Month. i don't care if it's november december october or january it's all black history month because we love it that way thank you anyways i have a very special guest mr adam smith mr adam welcome to the go to go podcast how are you doing today
1: i'm doing well thank you so much for welcoming me it's an honor to be here Absolutely. It's great to have you here. I was thinking, uh,
0: who can I invite for this Black Historyman? I'm like, oh yeah, Adam, thank you for honoring my invitation. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So tell us something exciting about you, something you want my audience to know about you.
1: I have a twin brother. I think that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Identical twins. Yeah. And um, I guess an an extension to that, I have a little sister as well. I I have a few siblings, but me and my brother and my little sister we all look alike, we kind of are around the same age. So some people call us triplets. We all kind of look alike, talk alike, you know, always around each other. So that's one thing uh, maybe the audience might enjoy. Um, I'm a math geek, I'm a math nerd. I love math, uh, I was a math teacher. I could do I do math problems as a hobby. Uh, it's, just, it's just like kind of therapeutic for me. So definitely a math nerd. So those are, those are a couple, I don't know, maybe some idiosyncrasies about me.
0: Okay, well, I, I'll tell you this, my audience. I see his meme, and it's all maths. Something addition, something subtraction, something, something multiplication. Okay, you know,
1: I'm not a science person. I'm an art person. But great job. <laughs> I love the memes. Trust me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I just try to, you know, on Instagram or on my social media, just try to share things that get people thinking or laughing or both. So if, I can, mm-hmm. if we can do both, then my I feel like my mission is accomplished. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So, so what does Black History
0: Month mean to you? You know, uh, and why is it important for us to celebrate and acknowledge the
1: achievements and the contributions of Black people? Black folks have uh, contributed so much, not only in America but in the world, right? You know, you know, with the, the diaspora, and the, you know, the slave trade. Um, we are widely dispersed across all the Americas. Um, we're, you know, of course, there's migration patterns, evolution patterns. We're in, you know, we're in Europe, we're in Asia, we're all over the world. And you know, I don't think that if if left to their own devices, you know, white dominant culture will paint a very sparse and negative picture of Black people. So we have to push against the grain and ensure that um, we are creating a space where we are celebrated, um, where we are, our achievements are noted and um, uplifted. The uh, layers and complexities of our movements, of our migrations, of our generations are also part of the history. You know, Black Black history didn't begin begin and end with the slave trade in America. It is much more broad, much more complex, much more nuanced, and much more rich than that. So Black History Month is a way to protect a 28 days to really honor the not only the achievements of Black people, but just honor the rich history um, of Black folks um, over the centuries and over the millennia.
0: I agree. Who are some of the Black leaders, activists, educators, and let's say pioneers that have inspired you And why are they significant in your view?
1: So just to name a few, one of my, so I work, so just context, I, you know, work in the education space. So I I kind of sit in the intersection of um, education, racial justice, you know, equity, that kind of thing. So there are some writers and thinkers and philosophers who have kind of informed my my growth, and one of them is Gloria Ladson-Billings. She's a professor out of, I think, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, she was one of the pioneers of the intersection of critical race theory and education, particularly, and she does a lot of with math education as well. Um, other thinkers and writers, um, Lisa Delpit is another thinker in the education space, black woman. Others are Audre Lorde, um, you know, are the black queer thinkers and theorists are Audre Lorde, um, other thinkers are bell hooks, Langston Hughes, pretty much those who have informed how I move through the world as a Black queer man, and whose identities have informed their thinking and their and the, the words that they share with the world. So, kind of like my inspiration is kind of in the space of education and or um, Black queerness and how their stories and those stories have been uplifted and centered. Absolutely, you know we. we
0: there's so many great uh, thinkers, writers, educators in history of over time, even activists in over time that has shaped who the identity we want to be. Uh, one yeah. of them I look up to is Nelson Mandela of South Africa, mm-hmm. and yeah. also yeah. Martin Luther King that we learned of growing up, you know. So these people um, are people that we look up to. And it's important that we have these people in our lifetime. And there are new Black people creating history right
1: here in our in our lifetime. And I hope yes. the future will be kind to them. Yeah and, I, and I'm just extend your you know my, my response to your question there's so many you know inspirational black people you know who are not public figures but who are in my life and who have definitely inspired me in so many ways so just also honoring those individuals um who don't have like, like a public name but i i still want to uplift them um as part of my as part of my inspiration as well
0: mm-hmm. i agree i agree
1: and of course one of those people
0: we look up to maybe it's our moms too our moms are wonderful people yeah. to teach us a lot yeah so what steps do you think need to be taken to ensure that the curriculum accurately and fairly represents the experiences and the perspective of black people and how can teachers and educators work together to make this happen
1: it's a good question um you know i, I could answer this question in many different ways but i'll kind of start with just talk to your kids like if you if you teach well if you teach black children talk to them learn about them and not just learn not just their birthdays or their favorite music artists or fashion trends but like really really get to know them get to know their families get to know uh, how they socialize um, get to know um, you know if they're having a bad day don't go straight to discipline or correction like understand why they might be having a bad day or, or acting in a way that isn't um, consistent with the character that you, you that that you know them to be, um, so just really get to know your your students very deeply, um, and that will help to ensure that you're bringing their identities into the curriculum in a very natural and organic way, um, because oftentimes it can be very contrived. Because you know, it could be Black History. It's like, okay, let's have a festival. Let's have like let's wear dashikis and let's. Listen to Martin Luther King's speeches. Not to say there's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't get to the heart or the core of, of our students' identities. So, if you really want to bring student black students into the curriculum, especially if you teach black students, get to know them and bring them in authentically. Um, if you don't teach black students, and maybe you teach at a school that's um, not black, not uh, you know black-serving, you know maybe other races, um, but still want to center black history that want to center the black experience in your curriculum read um, different writers and thinkers, learn their perspectives. There are there are writers out there who have written about how to bring math curriculum to black children. There's like, there are papers and journals out there um, how to bring the ELA curriculum math to black children, et cetera. So like read, educate yourself to, see, to um, really learn how to do it in, a, in an authentic and uplifting way and not in a way that is contrived or not in a way that is um, superficial.
0: Yeah, so there's this big talk about critical risk theory. And wow. AP being removed from curriculum in Florida and all that—what does it mean? And, and what do you think about it?
1: I've studied critical race theory pretty extensively. the The way that critical race theory has been communicated, the way it's been shared in media, is really inaccurate. Like, oftentimes when we hear critical race theory in the common like zeitgeist in the past year or so, they're talking about Black history and they're talking about the realities of what's been going on with racial relations in the country over the past few decades. that ne- That's not necessarily critical race theory. Critical race theory is about how to, how, how we use race as a tool um, to examine different social, political, and economic phenomena. It's using race as a lens through which we view how the world moves. That's what critical race theory is. In the, I mean, that's deeper, more nuanced than that, but in a, in a nutshell, it's using, again, using race as a um as an as, as an intellectual tool or as a way to approach critical awareness or as a way to approach a critique of any kind of structural institutional phenomena that's what great that's what critical race theory is and that's not how it's been communicated so i'll just put that out there yeah. so back to your question about unique my thoughts about the um the bans on the language in different states and the bans on curricula you know it's nothing more than there's there, there's nothing more than a tool to Erase or whitewash or or revise history, especially in favor of a white dominant culture. That's all. That's all it is. That's that's all this movement is doing. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. You know, uh, because it's been
0: politicized, it's been recognized it's cost great divide. And the people even leading the movement don't have an idea of what the word critical race theory is. But we Correct. hope that's people like yourself and the platform we have can keep talking about it and keep putting what the true word and true meaning is out there for people to understand. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Science nerd, math nerd, right? Yes. So how do you use technology today and resources to support
1: students learning and their engagement in the study of Black history? It's important to kind of see how students are consuming media. You know, it's not newspapers anymore, right? Like that was that's you know that's kind of almost obsolete, especially for our, for our, for our kids. So, using the platforms that, that they are already on, like TikTok or Instagram, Twitter, etc., so using those platforms as a way to bring history to them, as a way to bring knowledge to them. And maybe as an adult or as a, you know, somebody who might be generations older, kind of, kind of getting to know those platforms and knowing, knowing how to navigate them. So you are able to um, kind of use the media that they're already consuming um, to be able to use it for educational purposes, for learning about their cultures, learning about their histories and learning about a world beyond beyond their own. Mm-hmm. Okay, to
0: a large extent, the questions that you ask the chat GPT, there's an answer for it. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. Uh, I, I wonder if teachers today can hold students accountable if they use
1: ChatGPT and if they even know they use it. Yeah, that's. I, I actually had this conversation with a colleague um, we, a couple of weeks ago about ChatGPT. Chat you know, just like any, any new technology, it's scary, and just like any new technology, our gut reaction is to, to try to combat it or try to suppress it, like it's, it happened with TVs, you know, decades ago. It happened with internet. It's hap- it happened with social media. Like, any kind of new iteration of technology is going to be scary because it's the unknown. And I can see the same thing happening with the ChatGPT. So obviously, it can be abused just like any other any other tool. It can be abused, but it can also be used for good. It can also be used in a positive way. Because, if, like, let's say, for example, right, students have trouble writing. Writing is, not, writing is a skill that has to be developed. Um, you, can't, you can't just wake up and say, I'm a writer. So we can use ChatGPT if students have ideas. Like, okay, we'll just put your ideas in ChatGPT and see what comes up. Oh, you have a whole essay. Okay, cool. Read that essay and kind of see how the, how the essay was constructed to help, to help fuel your own writing capabilities. It can be a vehicle to build students' writing muscle. It can also be a way for students to kind of see how their ideas could be written out mm-hmm. if they're having trouble doing it themselves. So it could it could be an actual really good teaching tool um, if we if teachers are able to be creative with it and use it as a way to enhance but not and not hinder um, students' educational journeys. So um, to answer your question directly that you asked earlier around like how, how can teachers maybe discern student like what's what's being written from students' brains versus ChatGPT. That just requires knowing your kids, honestly. And it requires knowing your students. If you know students writing or talking styles and you see an essay that they submit is inconsistent with that, then have a conversation. Hey, is this you? This isn't you. This is ChatGPT, and let's take some actions to redoing it, failing, giving a zero, whatever. I mean, but just knowing your students and knowing how they produce content is gonna be important and being able to discern what's being ChatGPT and what's not. And if it is ChatGPT, um, we can maybe use it as a tool for good. So students don't feel like they have to use it as a way to skirt or cheat, mm-hmm. but use it. But if we, if we use it for good and promote it as a, as a tool, then it could be kind of reconfigured in how um, students bring it to their educational experiences. Uh, if there's anything that teachers should know, ChatGPT doesn't, doesn't cite for you. There's
0: no in-text in- citations. So exactly. you have to go and do the work still of finding where that quotation is from. And yeah, it's a lot. I just say this. I use ChatGPT for
1: my blog posts, but yeah. I do have to go back and make edits and all that. But you yeah. have to make edits, right? Exactly. Exactly right. As teachers or as adults, who um, we, we can push students to do that. So, okay, we'll put it in ChatGPT and then make your edits. True. And then, uh, you know, make your do your citations, make your edits. So it still is your work. It's just a tool that has helped you do your work, like a calculator. Calculator is uh, a tool just like
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so what do you think about the future and what it holds for Black people? You know, and what steps do you think we need to take to ensure that the legacy of Black leaders, educators is passed down to
1: future generations? I think to realize a future of like true liberation, true empowerment, we have to stop trying to be like other people. We have to aspire to greatness that is our own, aspire to identities that are our own. Also respect, acknowledge, and center the, the variety of identities and presentations of blackness within our own community. There's not, there's not just one way to present blackness, there's not just one way to be black. We have black queer people, Black trans people, Black disabled people, there's a lot of identities and presentations that are not honored. I think, you know, there is, you know, some prevailing beliefs that there's one way to be Black, right? Don't be ghetto, don't be poor, be excellent, quote unquote. Like Black excellence, which is actually a phrase I don't like, because it, 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 there's a subtext there that there is Black non-excellence, which is not true, right? All blackness is great. All blackness should be celebrated and, and, um, and uplifted and centered. So I think we have to like release ourselves from the paradigm that there's only one way to be black or there's only one way to aspire um, to be black and excellent, because because there's not. And if we continue in this paradigm where you have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, make a certain amount of income, be, be at this certain social status, be in these certain spaces, be straight, be thin, be pretty, be, light, be light-skinned. Be light If we continue these paradigms, then we will not appreciate all the fabric of Blackness that exists in our diaspora across the world. So the, so until we can acknowledge, celebrate, and appreciate all the, all the shades and nuances um, and presentations and cultures and experiences of Blackness, then we will never have a, a fully realized, liberated future.
0: For yourself, can you share a personal story or experience that has shaped your understanding of Black history and your lived experience as a person of color and how this experience influenced your decision and your
1: role today in society? I think one of my most formative and pivotal experiences of my life has, was, was attending an HBCU, um, Tougaloo College in Jackson, Mississippi. I grew up in white like, suburbia, right? And or was socialized to believe that there is one way to be, I guess, progress in this world or progress in my life is to aspire to, to whiteness, for lack of a better term, um, to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, surround myself with certain people. Um, so I had this conception of blackness that was negative um, in many ways growing up. Um, I'm very thankful for my HBC experience because I had to, it, it forced me to unlearn a lot of problematic thoughts and behaviors that I, that I um, harbored in my upbringing. And that has helped me to totally transformed my worldview, particularly around how, how I celebrated Blackness and how, and how I saw Black people, which of course, in turn, I learned more history, I learned more culture, and I took classes, and I, I'm thankful to have, have, have had professors, who taught Black history in a way that was empowering and that was deep and complex and nuanced and not just regurgitating the MLK quotes that we all always hear or not just regurgitating mm-hmm. the history of the slave trade um, as, a, as the bedrock of Black American history, right? Um, but just learning, um, again, learning way above and beyond the paradigms of Black history that, you know, that I grew up with. So the, that HBCU experience in so many ways helped me to see the world see the world in a different way well thank you for sharing that before i let
0: you go do you have any shout outs for anyone at all or people or friends around you and what words of advice would you give to any black kid out there wondering what next to do and what steps to take in life what advice would you have for them
1: yeah good question so as far as shout outs go just i mean shout out to my people uh, my st louis folks my st louis friends who helped? Who helped me make my make my St. Louis experience so positive and so impactful and so transform, transformative? Um, shout out to my HPCU colleagues, my my classmates, my professors. Shout out to my family. My you know, um, shout out to just you know my social media people that I follow and admire. You may not know I admire you, but you know your posts, your your stories, your your words have also have definitely informed and shaped my worldview as well. So yeah, so definitely, um, I appreciate I appreciate the black people in my life. I appreciate the ways that they protected, it uplifted, have celebrated me, and have embraced me. Yeah, I can, I just can't say enough. Um, it's, it's it's a price is priceless to be surrounded by so many awesome black folks in my life. So I definitely um, I, I'm very thankful of that. To your second question about like what advice would you give a young black individual who's trying to navigate life? If this sounds this is gonna sound so contrived, but honestly be yourself, like celebrate who you are, celebrate how you show up in the world and learn, learn, learn the the magic you possess, like, like actually sit with yourself and sit with yourself and be, be really thoughtful and be really intentional about, well, you know, how do I show up in the world? What is, what what is, what is my magic? Like, what is my value? Um, Because we all have a unique value, purpose, magic, um, and it's very easy to feel to feel stripped stripped of that because of different, um, different isms, right? You know, colorism, racism, sexism, uh, homophobia. Like all these isms will really kind of erode those um, those unique um, presentations um, and those unique facets of your identity that you that are yours. Um, so do your best to like push against those, push past those, and really celebrate who you are and all the different facets of you i want our young black people to feel secure in themselves and to feel secure in the way they show up in the world um, and feel secure in their talents feel secure in their skills their uniqueness their quirkiness their idiosyncrasies because that is what makes you you well absolutely well thank you so much mr adam for coming on the show thank you so much i appreciate it it's been a pleasure have a good one thank you so much